I went into structure fire uh, my friend BLM Paul he had told me before my uh, interview with the structure department and uh, I was not too nervous but a little nervous and kind of trying to figure out what I was gonna say and he, he came up and put, a, put an arm on my shoulder and he's like hey man don't worry about it you got the gift of gab and he has a southern accent and the way he said it, it was like it was just really calming I was like oh, huh. yeah, you know I, I do like to talk so <laughs> I figured you might as well talk to a lot of people hell yeah <laughs> yeah exactly yeah yeah, you know, I think we have we have these conversations every day, you know, and at work, and it's kind of nice to be able to get it recorded and kind of share like kind of the good vibes that we get from work, and that's part of the reason why I like to go to work where we do, you know, is to hang out with mm-hmm. you guys and, and a lot of folks in the wildland scene. But yeah, so we'll see where we can take this podcast. And uh, my guest today on the Lookout Podcast officially is Doug Johnson. Hello. And Doug Johnson, where are you originally from? I'm from Minnesota. Minnesota, whereabouts, mm-hmm. Minnesota? I grew up in the cities, and uh, after, I don't know, 27 years of living in the cities, I kind of thought that I should move up north, so then I moved up to almost Canada. Oh, nice. And I was there for a few years. Oh, nice. Uh, so, when you're also, is that kind of like the Northwoods, kind of middle of nowhere kind of country? Yeah, Ely. It's like the gateway to the boundary waters, so oh. it's like right up in the shit. Oh, that's awesome, yeah. dude. I always want to check out the boundary waters. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, my, uh, pretty much wife and her family used to go for yearly, uh, vacations to the Boundary Water. Like if they were going to celebrate something, like I think when she graduated eighth grade and when her brothers graduated eighth grade and all those like kind of little life events, they'd always mm-hmm. take it, take off the Boundary Waters and celebrate. So I always want to go check it out. Did you mm-hmm. do some, uh, canoeing up there? I did a little bit of kayaking. Mm-hmm. Not as much as I would have liked because yeah. I was going to school at the same time, but yeah. Yeah. Were you kayaking because you were solo? Uh no, I go with my girlfriend a lot. Oh nice. We just we both have kayaks. Oh, it's kind of easier to maneuver around and everything. Yeah, that's what I was kind of getting at. Is that like a, a canoe? If you're not paying attention, and the other person's not paying attention, you can dip, tip that thing pretty yeah. easy. Yeah, <laughs> at least that's my experience. <laughs> For sure. Um, and so how many years are you? Well, I guess to to recover recap, like after Ely's when you came to Missoula, Montana. Yes. Yep. So I worked one year in fire, and uh, I don't know in Minnesota. It's kind of like super hard to move up in fire just because it's such a cool place to work yeah. that people get there and they like keep those jobs. So the recommendation that everybody was giving me was like, you got to move out West. There's a lot more fire. There's just like a lot more opportunity. So yeah. That, and that makes sense to me. Cause when we had the Lola peak fire, um, you guys probably remember how big that one was mm-hmm. and all the resources that come. And of course, once on your home district, you really don't get to go fight the fire, sadly. You are stuck for IA, mm-hmm. um, which, which is all right. You know, you just kind of miss out on a little bit of uh, money if you're not on fire. But uh, there's a few uh, resources that came up, and one of them, one of the engines was from Minnesota. And, and they were saying the same thing. Like, I think the assistant had more time in the fire than I had, and I had more quals, and we were the same GS level, I believe. Mm-hmm. And he had, like, mm-hmm. I think he had five or ten years on me. Wow. Yeah, but he, you know, his family's all there, and there's just not as many options, like you said, to, to move. Were you, mm-hmm. were you in the Forest Service there or the state? Yeah, Forest Service. Oh, Forest Service. Nice. Yep. Yep. Yeah, and uh, I noticed, too, like when I was down south on assignments, is the there's not a whole lot of workforce there. So when I was working at the jump base, we go on the Region 8 assignments, which Region 8 
you know, most of the South, mm-hmm. you know, like from Texas, pretty much over to the East Coast, I believe. And I guess there might be some pockets over the East Side where there's, you know, a different region, but a pretty big area. And a lot of times they need, well, like us, you know, whenever they can recruit recruit for folks from Region 1 to go down there and burn. And yeah, some other regions will go down there, like uh, Region 5. Um, smoke jumpers were down there when I was there. And, but, um, yeah, so, they, I mean, there wasn't a whole lot of job options there, you know, for being in the workforce like we have. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, there's, like, a lot <clears throat> less seasonals and just, I think, a lot less permanent jobs, too. Like, they just don't have such a big fire organization that we have. Yeah, yeah, that's what it seems like. Like, mm-hmm. like when I went down to Arkansas, there was an FMO, and I'm not even sure if there was an AFMO. <laughs> I think it might have <laughs> just been him. <laughs> but, uh, uh, yeah, that was a good time there. So you came out to uh, Missoula, and did you have a job in Stevensville before you came? or? So we once we decided we were moving out here, we just applied for a bunch of jobs, and I ended up getting one in Stevensville. Oh, nice. So, like, before we moved out here, I already had the job. Oh, good. Yeah. Yeah, I didn't know if you... I knew you were kind of taking a leap of faith leaving, but I know how yeah. big... <laughs> yeah, it's always nice to have a job before you go somewhere. For sure. For sure. That, that's a good deal. And then, so, you have three three years in fire now? Yeah, three years in fire now. Oh, nice. Um, so, is there a big difference between Minnesota Forest Service versus, like, Montana Region 1 Forest Service? Uh, I think just, like, structure-wise and the way everybody works together is kind of similar there's just a lot more fire here oh yeah yeah Yeah. for sure and projects do you guys do similar projects then too yeah tons of thinning a lot lot of thinning yeah tons of thinning (laughs) Uh, mosquitoes got to be horrible back there yeah it sucks yeah that's really nice (laughs) so i was starting to fight the ticks but um when i was a kid i don't remember seeing ticks anywhere and and then when i was up uh you know highway 12 heading towards idaho there were some ticks did anyone have some ticks on this year or encounter with some ticks couple here and there but yeah nothing like minnesota yeah, the lookout. Yeah. yeah, did you have any up there? No, not the lookout, but previously before. <clears throat> oh, yeah. When I was in fire crew, I, did, I, had, I had some ticks. Oh, yeah, man. Oh, those are horrible. Like, your mosquitoes, um, you know, can get you sick, but you get Lyme disease. That That's seems, no joke. Yeah, it seems to stay with you. No, dude. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I, I don't need that in my life. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You hear about, there's that one, uh, the one disease you can get from that tick. I think in Texas. I don't know if it's Texas, but it's, oh. it's called the Lone Star Tick. Oh. Then if you get this disease, you become allergic to red meat. Oh, of course. In Texas? Oh, those, those poor <laughs> bastards. Can you imagine? Like, <laughs> they, they live on red meat. I live on red meat. Yeah. You know? Like, Can you imagine? Oh. I think there are a few Lone Star Ticks around here, oh, too. Oh, like, that's you the can get thing it ever. Oh, sketch. Yeah. Yeah. That would be, and it could be bad, too. Yeah. Like, you can be not only allergic to red meat, but I think even, like, Dairy products too. Oh, like that'd be can, the end of me. Yeah, you know, like with my Crohn's, I don't really have much room for vegetables and things, you know, because it makes me <laughs> so they wreck me. So I don't know. I guess chicken. I mean, that's not red meat. You still eat chicken, huh? Like chicken and fish. Oh, see, that'd be all right then. I don't mind fish. Yeah. I'm getting better at that because fish really agrees with me. So uh-huh. I'm trying to trying to figure that out. Get it on the Traeger. Oh, yeah. fish on the yeah. Traeger. Fish on the Traeger. Yeah. Dang. Podcast is sponsored by Traeger. <laughs> yeah, it just became. <laughs> oh man. Yeah, oh, dude, that'd be amazing. But yeah, Traeger's just like you know, a guy like me who doesn't know anything about smoking. It's just like an easy way to do it. Like just you know, fail safe smoking. Oh, okay. You know? So it's just like beginner level. Any guy can do it. Yeah, yeah. It's like an oven That's that nice. puts smoke on your fish for you. And <laughs> makes it kind of nice. Yeah. Yeah. So two seasons here. One season in Minnesota. Um, project work kind of similar. A little different fire. 
Uh, oh, that's what I was going to ask you about Minnesota. Did you get to do some burning like out on islands or any of that kind of cool uh, stuff? Not out on an island, but I did like canoe out to a burn. Oh, that's really cool. Yeah. That's the story I've always heard, you know. Yeah. Uh, were you working with Timo? Yeah, Timo. Yeah, yeah. Oh, he, yeah. Yeah, I used to jump here in Missoula and yeah. I, I, uh, he was gone before I came here, but he's, uh, he's always seems like he's pretty good about getting jumpers to go that way for assignments in the off season nice. and they come back with some of the coolest stories like canoeing out to islands mm-hmm. and doing all like cool kind of burns that, that you don't get to do out here really mm-hmm. and then um but you might not be a career man in the wildland fire scene correct uh i mean that's kind of hard to say yeah it's on the fence it's, I, it's, it's kind of it, yeah i don't know i mean we all kind of get into, this, into it for the same reason like it's fun yeah you yeah. love it but I don't know. Is it a super good career move to stay in fire? I don't know. I mean, you're probably asking the right person. I've been in for like 12 <laughs> years. So, uh, yeah, uh, I think, you know, if you kind of grind it, grind it out and are willing to move a lot, I mean, you can make a pretty good, pretty good jump and, uh, you know, get a pretty good living. The mm-hmm. problem at like RGS levels, as you guys know, is that you gotta, you gotta get a lot of overtime and, and fire, you know, and, and fire equals, you know, the overtime, and the hazard pay, which helps pay the bills and kind of mm-hmm. get you through the winter. But, uh, you know, once you get those higher GS levels, like the captain position where you can work year round, I mean, that's, that's a pretty good place mm-hmm. to be. And it seems like there's more of those positions opening up and, you know, they just recently made that a higher GS level. So that definitely helps. Um, it's kind of yeah. tough for me too, like getting into it a little older yeah. than normal. Like, I don't know, I was 30 before I started. So like a lot of these guys started when they're 18 and they're like the same age as me and they already have captain jobs. So yeah. It's kinda, yeah. It's it makes it tough. tough. Yeah, and, yeah, and us being the same age too. There's kind of like that. Uh, we have three years to get a permanent mm-hmm. if we really want to make it, make us, you know, a move at at a fire job. And uh, yeah, so it's, I mean, it's getting down to crunch time for us, but there's still some time. Oh, for sure. <laughs> In jumping, do you have three years? Uh, you, well, 37. You know, is like the cap. So oh, since we're 34, yeah. Yeah. Um, but. I think there's a little bit of wiggle room with your temp time, I, I want to say, yeah. or, you know, some kind of wiggle room in there, I think. Yeah, and, for sure. Yeah, so we got a little bit of time. And um, and like you said, though, I mean, I think that's the kind of the best mind frame is, like, keep pushing forward, but, you know, always kind of see what your opportunities might, might come from right. the job or, you know, elsewhere. And it seems like, like myself, even people kind of end up coming back because they go out there and do a different job and maybe don't get to go out in the woods as much as we do and mm-hmm. end up missing that. I know I did, you mm-hmm. know, I, like back when I came this summer, even though I was laid up, it was still cool. Just like roaming around the projects and oh, hell yeah. <laughs> yeah. Trying to, trying to help out whenever I could. And mm-hmm. yeah. Uh, and then would you say your outdoor enthusiasm kind of brought you to the job or what brought you to the job in the first place? I yeah. I mean, that's, that's a hundred percent it. Just loving being outside, loving traveling. And that's like, we get to do that for a job. Yeah. So that's, I think that's what keeps people in the job. Yeah. Well, I'm glad you said that because that's what I was going to ask you too, is that uh, there's so many places I would never have gone on my own. So it's mm-hmm. really cool. Like there's this, um, oh, I'm going to butcher the name, but it's a, uh, I'm just going to say it's a wilderness, Northern California, <laughs> kind of near Tahoe. And it starts with them. <laughs> and uh, it, was, it was one of the most beautiful places I've ever been in my whole life. And I, I don't think I would have, I, I mean, I know I would have never been there without mm-hmm. fire and, um, do you have anything like that that's happened to you so far? I mean, there's, there's like, I love traveling and like in my off time, I like camping, traveling or whatever. But the one thing that's been really cool in fire is, uh, just getting like a helicopter ride oh, or a yeah. plane ride yeah. out of the wilderness. It's, 
that's definitely something I would have never done. Oh yeah, without man. it. Yeah, that helicopter ride, huh? Like, did you have your first one in the Forest Service? Yeah. Oh, that's yeah. awesome. Yeah, right. like same same here. So mm-hmm. uh, I I went a long time before I got it. I don't. Maybe it was my third year when I when I finally got one. But I'd heard about it and you know mixed. Some people got sick and some people really liked it. And when I first got in there, it was like nothing I'd imagined because when it takes off, you get that little almost like zero gravity kind of moment when it oh, first kind of yeah. takes off and yeah. it's like whoa that's kind of different you know it's kind of like when you're floating. on a roller coaster yeah you can feel it in your stomach there's like that one moment yeah exactly up. Yeah, yeah just yeah just a little bit after takeoff and i was like mm-hmm. whoa this is so, and maybe just because i was used to planes and going forward when i take off and like a helicopter goes straight up mm-hmm. most of the time i believe and mm-hmm. <laughs> at least that's that's what i felt yeah uh, i've had a few helicopter rides and like they're not all the same i've definitely had at least one pilot that was like, I don't know, he, just the way he went about it, he was like quick. Yeah. Like the way we took off was way faster than before. And it was like a little sketchy, but yeah. also, I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. Now that you mentioned that, that kind of makes me think about my first time. Because when I first took off, it was really gentle and slow. Mm-hmm. And I think that's probably why I got that feeling more. And then ever since, I don't think I've been in a, a pilot with a pilot that took off kind of like that. Like you said, it was a little more quick. And uh, this older boy who uh, said they told me he's from Vietnam, which I don't know, it was like 10 years ago, so maybe. But, but uh, <laughs> he definitely looked, looked salty enough to be. And that guy was, I mean, it was really like precise flying. And there's this uh, uh, helispot we had cut out. It's the first time I ever did that. So, I mean, I was using the RPG and trying to do specs, but Mm -hmm. also don't have a clue how how big the area I was cutting was. Yeah, yeah. uh, The one pile didn't really like it too much, but then this this old boy came in and flew right out. You know, I was very happy because it was raining a lot, and I didn't want want to have to deal with that, you know, and, like, it's getting cold. And, Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, so that was a good good feeling. When you were in that wilderness fire uh, over by... Oh, what was the name? Sky Pilot? Sky Pilot. Yeah, that's the name. <laughs> oh, yeah. Uh, did, you got flown into that one, didn't you? Yeah. yeah. Oh, that's awesome. It was the best. Yeah. How it was many, awesome. How many shifts? How, how long were you on it? Oh, it was just two shifts. Two shifts? Yeah. Look gorgeous. Yep. Yeah, it was just a little fire, just me and one guy. It was awesome. Yeah. It was like the best. Oh, man. I remember I remember talking to you guys about it because of that one fire that I had up Neck Lake, which I think is just like one drainage over, I think, right? I think they're kind of close, but... Yeah, it's pretty close, I um, think. Yeah. But yours, that sky pilot's a little deeper into the wilderness, mm-hmm. and I remember wanting to hike in there, but hiking to Knack Lake was definitely an all-day event. So, <laughs> so uh, I was like, I don't know if I want to go check that out. But the yeah, picture, I think it'd be, you'd have to camp at least one night. Yeah. I was, was like 12 miles, I yeah, think. I think 12 so, mile too. hike. Yeah. Because we were talking about, like... If we end up having to hike out, how much it would suck. <laughs> oh, God, all right. Yeah, you, can, you never really can tell if you're going to mm-hmm. have to because weather event could come up or the helicopter gets called to something else, and mm-hmm. there you are. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, yeah, that makes for, for a brutal time. I mean, it'll still be a good fire when you leave, but for a little while, it might not be such a good fire. <laughs> um, and then what would you say your, uh, your best fire is? I think it would be a tie between that and uh, my first wilderness fire. Which was, was nine miles into Blodgett Whoa. that we also got flown into. And oh, it was, cool. I don't know. It was awesome. Yeah, I've never even been back to that country. It's amazing. Oh, really? Yeah. As many lakes and water and all that stuff? Like, uh, so we were, I think the, like the lake is 12 miles in. Mm. So we were nine miles in 
And like, I think the third day on the fire it was like in a monitor situation. So we got to hike out to the lake. Oh, like cool. Blodgett Lake. And it was incredible. I'll have to check that out because I've, yeah. yeah, I've never been back there. Where, where's like the trailhead for that? Uh, it's just uh, right by Hamilton. Right by Hamilton? Yeah. Oh. Yep. Yeah, I'll, I'll check that one. There's so many good trails on the Bitterroots, you know, on the, the west side there. Uh, but they're really long. So I they're got, very long. Yeah. Yeah, it's a commitment. It is. For and sure. By the time I really knew about them this year, we were on fire hours working six days, one off. Mm-hmm. And, uh, mm-hmm. That one off, you don't really spend trying to put in 12 or 24 miles. You go, <laughs> go to Sky Pilot. You're more worn out coming back to work than, you know, going into my day off. Yeah, that's kind of the crazy thing about this job sometimes is like, People want to go camping and hiking on the weekend. You're like, uh, I, I do that all week. Yeah, I think stay indoors with some air Yeah, I'm gonna sit on the couch. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm with you there. I gotta do some laundry and catch up on some mm-hmm. bills, and mm-hmm. so it's always nice if you have that weekday off because then you can make some phone calls and mm-hmm. catch up on whatever stuff you have to do. And back in the real, real world. So, uh, your best hikes? What would you say? Like your favorite hike has been so far in your career, everywhere, anywhere that you've been. Or maybe just best outdoor experience, I guess we just say Best that. outdoor experience. Yeah. Mm. On the clock or off the clock? Off the clock. Just any time okay. you've ever been outside and you're like, man, this is the best time I've ever had, and I need to tell Luke about it. Well, <laughs> you know, I do miss uh, North Shore, Minnesota. North Shore, Minnesota? Yeah, on the shore of Lake Superior. Oh. There's just like a million waterfalls and like the coolest hikes ever. Oh, that's so really cool. I love being in the mountains, but... Yeah. Probably my best hikes were back in Minnesota. Oh, I bet, man. Well, that's yeah. kind of like your, some of your first experiences, right? Being oh, out for there. sure. Yeah. yeah. And then kind of kind of still home, even though you've been out here for a while. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely in North Shore is where I like became super in love with being outdoors. Oh, man. Yeah, that's great. I, that's some country I've yet to check out. Well, like I said, with the Boundary Waters. And then mm-hmm. is the North Shore near Isle Royale? Yeah. So Isle Royale is kind of up like closer to Canada. Oh, like nice. it's pretty far up there. And then it's actually, um, I'm trying to think it's like a couple miles off the shore, but it's, yeah, it's pretty cool. Yeah. Cause that's, cause that's the only thing I really have to reference. Cause I haven't really seen too many pictures, you know, besides like the Edmund Fitzgerald documentary from mm-hmm. up around mm-hmm. that area, <laughs> but, uh, the Isle Royale, like, uh, the pictures I've seen there, it looks so amazing. The mm-hmm. blue water, it, the first few photos I saw, it almost looked like you were in the Bahamas or somewhere in the Caribbean because of how blue and turquoisey the water looked. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And it's super clear. Yeah, I was really yeah. impressed. And I talked to somebody, it was you, talking about the water and how cold it is out, out there, though. Oh, yeah, you don't want to You don't swim in Lake Superior unless <laughs> yeah. you're crazy. <laughs> yeah, uh, that makes sense. Cause I've been in Lake Michigan in it. Uh, the first time I, I just cannonballed in, not thinking anything. My head like hurt so bad. It got one of those like cold headaches from the water. Oh, yeah. Oh, uh, it was brutal. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, to come back to your career, um, if you weren't going to do Wildland Fire, where else would you go? Oh, man. Um, I don't know. That's a tough thing to say. It's kind of like probably with the Forest Service still, but maybe just like, I don't know, fire effects or like oh, yeah. some kind of higher up, like more research orientated thing. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah. And that's and that's kind of what I always thought, and even some of the f- folks that are, you know, in fire around our age who are talking about getting out of it, mm-hmm. they always uh, talk about possibly coming back to Missoula because it's such a hub, you know, with the well, the AFD and, and the fire lab and MTDC, which is called something else now. 
and there's a few more options and even the university um, yeah with forestry program there yeah. too you know? it's kind of the perfect spot to be yeah yeah that's for sure and um like i said options you know like to keep you out in the woods i think that's kind of the thing that gets maybe a few of us like even myself been a lot of different fire been gone a lot and it would just be kind of nice to have summer around here where uh you know you're not kind of having to watch the weather so much and, and look mm-hmm. at the phone you know mm-hmm. but like you i don't know i might end up in here for you know the rest of my life and <laughs> which would be all right, you know. Still, still a great job, and yeah, for sure. And most of it's sure. just you know hanging out with folks like you, <laughs> and you, Tanner. <laughs> <laughs> and then I'll, I'm just uh, speaking for you, and let me know if I'm wrong. But another passion of yours is brewing beer. Yes, sir. That is correct. I love drinking beer, but I also love brewing beer. Yeah. See, that's speaking of which. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, hey, that's good timing. Um, yeah, because I would uh, refer to you, and, and this is just my words, not not Doug's, as a homebrew master. I mean, is that such a thing? Uh, you know, it's it's kind of tough to say homebrew master because they, it's it's a uh, there's a lot to learn. Yeah, and even after eight years, like I'm still learning a lot for oh, sure. Man, eight years, dang. So, mm-hmm. what was the first brew like? Was it sour? Was it was it something going wrong? So actually, my first couple brews turned out pretty well. Oh, nice. Yeah. Yeah, because I was going to say, if you had that, that hiccup on the first one, it'd be hard to maybe keep going. <laughs> oh, for sure. Yeah, I imagine that's happened to a lot of people where they buy gear, brew one beer, and they're like, oh, this tastes really bad. I'm yeah, probably not going to do this. Yeah, I'm bad at this. Yeah, I've, yeah. I've even had some friends do that where they bottled it and, it, mm-hmm. you know, we all open it together and you're like, it's good, man. <laughs> you know, you're just kind of muscling through it and be like, oh, maybe, maybe this should be your only, only <laughs> brewing experience. Yeah, especially since if you make a bad beer, now you have 50 of them. Oh. And if you're a cheap ass like me, you're probably going to drink them all. It's yeah. going to suck. Well, I'd say all of us would probably do that. <laughs> <laughs> and pride, you're like, I'm getting through these because I made them. Yep, yep. Uh, so what kind of beer was your first beer? Uh, I think it was an Oktoberfest, actually. Oh, nice. Yeah. Uh, and I don't know, what makes an Oktoberfest? Is there a difference? So it was kind of like a, I don't know, it was kind of a cheap way to do an oktoberfest because it was like fermented like a normal ale whereas like a traditional oktoberfest is usually fermented at a cool temperature and then it's like aged at a cool temperature for a while so it's kind of like a pseudo oktoberfest i guess oh gotcha so what you mean by like fermented it was like fermented did you ferment it or yeah oh gotcha i didn't know if you got like some already fermented ingredients i know i know nothing about this so (laughs) (laughs) uh i should just like say that you know let everyone know i I drink beer but i don't know anything about the beer (laughs) uh but so then where'd you go from there so from there i kind of started brewing a lot of hoppy beers because it's what i love yeah and um when you say hoppy, you mean like uh, like IPAs and pails? Is that kind of yeah, kind of IPAs, pails, hazy IPAs now oh, that they're yeah. Back yeah. when I started brewing, hazy IPA wasn't even a thing really. Yeah, tonight was the first time I heard that, and yeah, I heard you explain it to Tanner what's that? What's the hazy IPA again? So basically, the difference between like a traditional West Coast IPA and hazy IPA is the hops are added like a lot later in the process, so it kind of creates like a haze of just like hop oils essentially oh Oh, gotcha yeah so it's it's more of an emphasis on like the fruity flavors of the hops and like the floral aromas and that and whatnot oh gotcha other than just straight bitterness oh all right i'm I'm kind of tracking there i'm you know yeah haven't had too many ipas and pails it feels like my palate's getting a little better with age and you know with 
the old Crohn's, I haven't been able to really have too much beer in a long time, mm-hmm. but uh, mm-hmm. kind of tracking a little bit. And does the haze have anything with the appearance, or is it just mostly the later? Yeah, it's the, it's the appearance. It's just oh. like looks, so you can't really like see through it as well as you could a normal beer. It's just kind of like hazy. Oh, nice. Yeah. So I kind of like that. Aesthetically pleasing, I think. Yeah, yeah, and traditionally it used to be a bad thing. Oh. Like if you made a hazy beer, like that's a shitty beer. And you like messed up. But now it's like gone way to the opposite extreme where like people are adding like crazy stuff to their beer to make it look hazy oh really yeah people are like adding flour or like yeah they're like throwing apples in the boil and shit just like trying to make it look hazier dang so it's i don't know it's funny how how much stuff changes yeah yeah it's wild i wonder why it was like such a clean look in the beginning because you had dark beers and stuff that you can't i guess it just was uniform on the color i guess maybe Mm -hmm. that's kind of but like any other like paler style beer usually you could see through it Oh yeah, that's yeah, that's true, huh? Yeah, yeah, I'm, yeah. Like I said, with age, I'm starting to kind of like that flavor a little bit more. I don't know. You, you, it's weird how your palate changes with age. Oh, for sure. You know, like I used to have a mean sweet tooth, and not so much anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, so the recent was the hazy IPA you were just telling me about. Mm-hmm. And then, um, do you brew seasonally, or how do how do you change? You just kind of see something, and you're like, I need to try that, or do do you kind of with the seasons? So I kind of I usually have like a couple hazies going. At all times. Oh, gotcha. Like, and then I'll do, I'll do like a coffee stout that I typically have on tap. And then other than that, it's just kind of like whatever I feel like doing at the moment. Oh man, I like it. Yeah. yeah. That, those ciders. Well, that's what I was kind of wondering because the last time or the very first time I was ever here and the last time, uh, you had the ciders and that coffee stout and they both seem like a fall flavor in my mouth. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. yeah, it was amazing. Definitely with the fall, I'll do like a little... I don't know, something apple, something pumpkin themed, like yeah, That's some fall flavors. That reminds me, I got the bottle yeah. for you that you let me borrow so I could take oh, it nice. home. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, I've been staring at the thing for a couple of weeks because I thought I was going to run into you at hockey. Um, but yeah, I just had those tasters, those, you know, small little sip of that stout and the ciders. I was like, man, these are amazing, you know, and like, I'm not like a beer expert as, as you can probably tell by the way I'm asking you these questions, but yeah, it, I mean, it was, it was really, really good, I thought. Well, thanks, man. Yeah. And obviously Tanner's back, so I mean, he's a fan. Yeah, I'm a big fan. <laughs> yeah, I really like the hazy. It is. Was, Thank you. I was also wondering if it's like a a marketing thing, like just the word hazy. Oh, 100%. Like, oh, 100%. Like, oh, that's the new thing right mm-hmm. now. Yeah, if you go down the beer aisle at the grocery store, like mm-hmm. pretty much all IPAs now are going to say hazy or juicy. Oh. And it's like 100% a marketing thing. For sure. And like a lot of times they're not that good. Yeah. And they, so the other thing with hazies is they have like a shelf life. Like if they're more than two months old, like a lot of those hot flavors like kind of dissipate. So I don't know. It's kind of a, it's a hard thing with the marketing. That's good to know though. Yeah, that is good Mm -hmm. to know. Yeah. If I'm, dude, if I'm getting hazy, I always look at the, the yeah, the canning date. If it's like more than two months, I don't buy it. Oh, wow. Yeah, that's mm-hmm. something to think about, too. I mean, I kind of do the same thing with coffee, you know, like when it's roasted. I don't know if that has anything to do with anything, but I just try to get the Oh, for fresh. sure. Is it? For sure. <laughs> oh, really? Yeah. Oh, so I'm doing all right. <laughs> yeah. Kind of, I mean, kind of an accident, but kind of just, you know, thinking with anything like you guys were just saying with the beer and all that, you know, the canning date to see how long the shelf life is. And that's, you know, I wonder if, the, you know, the other bigger beers, I mean, they, they got to have a pretty decent shelf life, you'd think, because how much production goes into those you mm-hmm, know mm-hmm. And, and that's what i was gonna say too like the smaller 
back when I used to drink more, you know, go through the shelves and like you're saying with the hazies, it seems like within the last 10 years, you see so many other breweries and, and beer. And so, you know, I try to stick to kind of the stuff that's a little more local because of that, like you're saying, the, the shelf life and, mm-hmm. and when mm-hmm. it was canned. Mm-hmm. And a lot of like more traditional beers, they, a lot of them tasted like better with age. Oh, really? You know, yeah, like oh, wow. lagers, yeah. that kind of thing. It's typically like aged for, you know, at least six months or whatever. Oh, wow. So it's kind of like a new thing where people are seeking out like fresh beer. Yeah. Yeah, that kind of makes sense. So like a hazy, like time, start to finish, how long does that take? Did you guys already cover this on a spacing out? No. So like, <laughs> so like a traditional lager, um, it would ferment for at least a month. And then you would also like age it in the cold for i don't know at least four months six months even sometimes longer and then like a hazy ipa uh i think from grain to glass it's like 11 days 11 wow yeah so like i fermented yeah yeah that's really fast yeah so it takes like usually usually done fermenting in five days and then i just let everything settle a little bit and then keg it nice and then yeah so after you keg it What's the shelf life then? I mean, is it what, a week or I think like in kegs when it's been stored cold, like I noticed with my homebrew beers, like they're pretty good for a couple of months. Oh, wow. So but like, like once you put it in a can and then you start shipping it, you know, it's going to go yeah. through like it's going to get warm, then it's going to get cold, then it's going to get warm. Yeah. Yeah. And it has a huge impact. Oh, totally. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I kind of see it. And then I remember hearing that, well, I, I don't know if I read it or I saw like a little history of like Guinness and they create that little gator thing. Oh yeah, a little ball in there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. that, that releases mm-hmm. nitrogen when you crack it, I think, right? Mm-hmm. And you're supposed to pour it out. Yep. And no one ever told me this. My first Guinness, I was like <laughs> all stoked, you know, 21 years old and dusted, dusted those things off the shelf. And I mean, I don't know if it was in my parents' fridge or where it came from. Mm-hmm. But <laughs> straight the yeah, straight from the can, did not <laughs> yeah. pour it out. I'm like, I'm like, man, this is a little rough. Yeah. 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 And, Who said Guinness was good? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Like, I'm not I'm not digging this. And then the next Guinness I had was on tap. I was like, oh, it's a different story here. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then you can watch like you know the commercials. It was just the same deal, you know. And and then uh, finally someone cued me in on pouring it out, and it was a lot better. You know, it's still on tap's better, but sure. pouring it out was definitely mm-hmm. a better deal there. Mm-hmm. Sure. Have you ever made anything like that, like the Guinness style? So I have like a, the coffee style I was saying earlier. Oh yeah. I usually have that on tap, and it's on nitro. Oh, on nitro. So it kind of has that same like cascading effect and yeah. whatnot what what gives it is it the tiny bubbles from nitro what gives it that kind of almost like sand looking so there's um there's like a restrictor plate in the tap hmm. that has just like a few little holes and then it's like pressurized way more than a normal beer so it basically like shoots through those holes and that's kind of what like it makes it off gas essentially oh, gotcha is that um oh man i wish i had the word for it but uh gives you kind of almost like that Kind of spiral to to it. Um, does that make any sense? Or like cascading, yeah, kind cascading, of thing. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And um, I'm gonna think of it, but it's gonna be way after <laughs> this. So I'm I'm just gonna drop it by now, uh, right now. Uh, and then making a cider, uh, it seems you know to just to my you know, un undeveloped pa- palate, mm-hmm. uh, is it seems like a lot of fruit and it's more sweet, like more sugar maybe, or what goes into the cider, I guess. So usually a cider, I'll actually, um, sweeten it after it's fermented. Oh, really? So like what, like the yeast is going to pretty much eat all that sugar up. Oh, gotcha. And then like for a beer, that's typically the way you'd want it. 
Yeah. But for a cider, you want it a little sweeter. So I'll put like a little more sugar, a little more apple juice concentrate in it. Oh, gotcha. And then cake it. Oh, whatever you're doing, it's it's really working great, man. Those ciders are good. Yeah, yeah, they're really <laughs> good. And then I don't know if you might. This might be kind of out of your realm, but it's kind of similar with the kombucha making. It seems it has a sugar for the um, ferment fermentation. Yeah. Uh, I guess I don't know anything about that, but. <laughs> so I mean, like a, a kombucha fermentation kind of is the same as a beer fermentation. It's just like a different agent. Oh, gotcha. kind of doing it but yeah essentially it eats the sugar yeah and so you don't have the yeast you just have like the scoby or whatever yeah it's like uh it's kind of like similar to a yogurt culture oh gotcha yeah yeah and yogurt oh i shouldn't even talk about this in way out of my i'm gonna drop this one right now <laughs> <laughs> uh and then you have this awesome looking tap thing right behind you uh, what do you call that again? It's keezer. It's a keezer. Yeah. Keezer. Oh. So you take a freezer and you turn it into a kegerator, essentially. Keezer. Oh, man. It is so many keezer. Keezer. Freezer. <laughs> kegerator. Oh, gotcha. Yeah. I could not think of that. I was trying to brag on you. I was like, man, I got my buddy and he's amazing. And one day we're going to have a brewery and food and call it Doug's thing and stuff. What was the, what was the name again? Uh, Doug's shit and other weird stuff. Yeah. That's the that's, title. That's, yeah, that's the yeah. name of my shop. Yeah. Coming soon. Like within, you know, I don't know. Years. One, two, three. 30 years. Yeah, one to 30 years. Yeah, we got some time. <laughs> Still bring more stuff there. But yeah, I was, I was just telling, uh, you know, I can't remember who it was about it. I was like, yeah, I mean, it's it's awesome. It, it works so good. It looks super clean. You know, like the keg rater, it's it's good, but I don't know. There's something about having that many taps on something. And Oh, for sure. Yeah, the style just looks amazing. Mm-hmm. How many kegs can you fit in one of those things? Uh, So I have 11 taps, and I can fit eight regular size like five gallon kegs in there and then i have a few smaller ones that kind of stack on top oh nice yeah is a smaller one like two and a half so i have a couple that are three gallons and two of those will stack on each other and then i have also a few like 1.75 gallon oh, wow. and those will actually stack on top of the five gallon kegs Oh, nice. So yeah. I mean, you, you could really try and have I some, can some shit in there. Yeah, man. Yeah. You're having a full-on bash here. It'd be yeah. no problem. <laughs> oh, that is awesome, man. <laughs> I remember like when I was young, it was like the thing to have a keg at a party. Oh, for sure. You it's know? the best. Like, it is the best. Yeah. There's something about it, man. Yeah. Like Even if you were, like, weren't, at least me, like if I wasn't even really thinking about going to the party, I'd be like, oh, there's going to be a keg there. I'm like, oh, all right, yeah, all right. You know? yeah. Yeah. And, and talk about, too, like even if you're going to a keg party, like cheap, like five bucks for a cup or people used to charge, it's like, mm-hmm. So you get a lot of beer now, you know, with the, with the solo cup. Uh, yeah, those, those are good times. For sure. One of those parties would kill me these days. <laughs> Talking talk about a keg party. Yeah, staying out past midnight. Oh, yeah. Oh, my God. Ouch. Hurts so bad. Yeah, last night I was playing hockey, which, boys, you know, there might be some room for you uh, on the old hockey team. Because me and you were talking about it. Yeah, I gotta. T- yeah, before you before you go online and get that USA hockey thing out, I gotta make sure it's it's all right with the captain. But sweet man, like especially yeah, especially with you being around and and sounds like we lost another another fellow on the team. He's uh he's just starting off, and we're like in the upper level of the low level, and so he's gonna go down to Ooh. the to the entry level and and uh well, he so you're it, huh? yeah you're in the upper level it was too hard for him well, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well he, he never skated before so he's oh yeah, okay. yeah so okay yeah yeah exactly so he's getting to yeah. yeah the intro level so is the bar that you can skate yeah pretty much just that you can skate for, for yeah. novice it's i've never played hockey before or nice hockey before and i can kind of almost skate 
Yeah. Intermediate is you can skate. You can skate. Like you can go on and not fall down. Okay. Yeah. And you're intermediate? No, I'm just in the upper level of the, of the novice. So, oh, okay. Yeah, just oh, not, there's two not quite the bottom. Yeah, yeah, man. Oh, wow. Yeah, so not quite at the bottom anymore. You know, I'm on my way up. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, that first game, man, and like I wish that fellow would have been there because you know he would have saw like, I mean, we're all start at the bottom, you know. Because <laughs> yeah, bodies. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. And, and that's it. Yeah, and that, that was kind of the bum deal about him going down is that like I mean I'd never seen him skate. I don't think he ever had before. So he might take a little bit of time, but. You know, we had a fellow on our team a few years ago, and he played before, and he was, he was, he was a slow starter. But by the end of the season, I, I think he scored a few goals and was doing pretty oh, good. Oh, really? Yeah. Nice. yeah. So it, it doesn't take too long. It feels like forever because you have a week in between games. Uh-huh. But then, mm-hmm. like, even uh, last night, uh, today's Monday, right? Yeah. <laughs> so last night's game, uh, I felt so much better. And I had, like, uh, I had a new pair of view skates, so not brand new, but way newer than I've ever had. And mm-hmm. they even, like, baked them and everything. And man when they bake them it's they already felt nice and then after baking they felt really nice and but they're almost too much performance the first night for me i wasn't used to because mine are so just wrecked and and packed out you know <laughs> I, I had to really cinch them around the foot you know uh-huh, to uh-huh. get to get to feel anything but but yeah i mean like and you've skated before especially growing up in the, the great north there oh yeah land of oh dude 10,000 lakes i don't use my gear it's in montana let you borrow it i dude i have gear I got gear. Dude, what are you yeah. Doing? <laughs> you need to play hockey, man. Oh, so man. it well, that's the weird thing about like growing up in Minnesota, uh-huh. is there's always like an open rink, like a couple blocks from your freaking house, right? Yeah. Whoa, and you can just go there whenever you want, and you can play hockey whenever the fuck you want for free. For free, yeah. Free. So like this whole. Talk. Playing at ten o'clock at night, shit is like. Oh yeah, yeah, shit. yeah. yeah I mean, but no, I should. For yeah, sure. you should. I mean, I got out there at like eleven thirty, and it's was, it was super cool. Like a cool scene. You you know, you leave the rink, and usually there might be a few folks just kind of hanging out, and mm-hmm. and uh, you know that that are off your team. You know, we're not like mixing with other folks and you know spreading anything, but because mm-hmm. we've already been interacting with each other. But you know, having a having a beer or two, and we're kind of winding down because you know, like one of the fellows brought up last night. You, you you know you go from like a hundred miles an hour giving it your all on the hockey rink and which my all isn't very great but and then you know trying to wind down from that even though I got a nice little commute home it's still I mean it it takes a little bit so it's mm-hmm. kind of nice to be able to kind of mm-hmm. decompress out there especially when you're short staffed and you're yeah you don't have any breaks oh man oh, yeah dude. yeah we I think we had uh, so on offense you know I mean you got three folks like a center and two wings so we only had two subs for offense and I think we had two for defense so and uh, I mean it was Oh really? Tough. Yeah, wow. I think we had two subs for defense. Yep, yeah, because that's brutal, man. That's tough, especially a novice. Yeah, novice everyone's so bad. Yeah, mm-hmm. exactly. That you end up skating twice as much as you need to because no one understands like they, like how to play hockey. Game. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, and the, yeah, yeah. The passes are so sloppy, you know. Yeah, passes are sloppy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but man, those little victories when you finally do get like a pass to connect, you're like, yes, or you catch a pass, <laughs> you're like, oh man, I'm a real hockey player now. <laughs> oh man, I had a breakaway last night, and I tried, I tried for the five hole. Oh man, and, oh man, it was, you know, I it was mean, bad. I, yeah, it was bad. I mean, I think anyone else would have scored, <laughs> but, <laughs> but uh, yeah, so that's just how it goes, I guess. I'm pretty good at skating around, oh, and man. I'm pretty good at swatting pucks Dude. out of people's. Or like playing defense. Yeah, yeah. Swat one off like, the stick. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Man. No, 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 no. Yeah, don't go to but those. Like yeah. uh, being on a breakaway and trying to score. 
there's no chance. Oh, I'm man. terrible at offense. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm not good all around. I just kind of they put me at offense because it doesn't hurt. Like if it, you know if you're bad in offense, then you don't hurt the team. If you're bad on defense, you know people are gonna score. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. So that's kind of yeah. where I end up just on offense. But you'd probably be all right, especially in our league. You, the oh, goalies yeah, are yeah. decent though, surprisingly this year. Usually the goalies are not great, so they'll, they'll okay. They just always go down to the butterfly. So if you can get lift the puck at all, usually you got a pretty good shot, mm-hmm. even if it's like a, just a slow tumbler. Mm-hmm. And that's usually my go-to, but. Lately, man, my slow tumbler is even slower and <laughs> not really coming off the ice either. <laughs> so it's been a little ugly, but yeah, man, it'd be great to have you. And we're short staff, like Tanner was saying. And um, if Tanner wasn't going to to a great spot and he hadn't been here so long, I'd be trying to get him to stay. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Well, yeah, let me know if, if there's an opening. Yeah, yeah, for well, sure, I'd be interested. Yeah, yeah, we should get text tonight. Like I said, that one fella had to go down, so mm-hmm. um, which I think will be a better experience for him in the end, and, and then we can. Uh, Hopefully bring you in. Yeah, because you know, we've had to have two subs in um, the last two games just to get some get our I mean subs up for the team, and then so we have some subs on the bench. Mm-hmm. So that's mm-hmm. kind of confusing, but you guys know what I'm saying. Yeah. Sure. yeah. Um, no, I played in a rec league oh, for yeah. like probably two years or something, and there was nights in where Minnesota? like there were yeah oh. there was nights when there was no subs mm-hmm. on the bench, and it was just like, dude. Oh, you're just dying. Yeah. Yeah, once in a while on a really cold night here in Missoula, it seems like that's what happens. Yeah, Especially yeah, in the go, outdoor rink. Yeah. <laughs> Not as many people want to show up and it's late, too. Yeah, I can see that. Brutal. Yeah. 10 and 11 o'clock games is brutal. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, for mm-hmm. sure. Uh-huh. But it's super cool when you come into town. Like, before I played, I'd come into town from wherever from the weekend and come in late on a Sunday and weather would be kind of brutal. And you look over and at the fairgrounds and some people are out there playing. And, you know, it's a game going novice uh-huh. or whatever it might be and you're like that is really cool you oh, know yeah the community is amazing yeah that's what i was gonna get to yeah most out of anything is uh just everyone getting together and hanging out people coming to check out your game yeah yeah that's what i was gonna say yeah, so yeah. people usually get done and they have a couple beers and come watch you and kind of well they're uh-huh. decompressing like we mm-hmm. talked about yeah, it's uh, you know that's the part that kind of is a little tough this year is that it, that part is a little dampened because mm-hmm. yeah. COVID, mm-hmm. but you still get a little bit of it and for sure out of all the activities that you can do right now that one's not as bad because you're especially the outdoor rink you can yeah, do, yeah you're outdoors outside. yeah. In the cold. Yeah, in the yeah. cold. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah, totally. And, yeah, and, and the indoor, too, part, like, I think they're allowing 50 folks because the bleachers are decent size. You can still, okay. you know, have the, you have your safe distance. And But, yeah, like you were saying, Tanner, my first game ever, barely could stay on my skates. I remember <laughs> running on my skates, literally, to get this puck, and I couldn't stop or turn very well, and I just slammed <laughs> the boards right against where, like, all the other beer leaguers were playing and watching and drinking beer, and they were just like, yeah! Yes. <laughs> I just got up like, oh, God. I just kept going. <laughs> My favorite leagues to watch, Novice and Cup. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And the worst. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, last night, I, I don't know if it's Cup, but it's one of those upper division te- leagues, and they were playing after us. Just, you know, like, I don't know, like, they try to space it out so you're not going to cross each other in the locker room mm-hmm. still. So I think it's like a 30-minute a buffer between games, like even if it's outdoor or indoor, I think. Uh-huh. And uh, I could be wrong, but that's just what it felt like. And uh, so we were just hanging out, like I said, with my team and, and just kind of decompressing and, and talking talking each other up, you know, because we did a little better. We actually won a game, so we're pretty stoked. And, nice. And then uh, we hear a little commotion, and we – so we cruise over the outdoor rink, and uh, one of those cup or advanced was going into uh, overtime. And man, the the way they could move, it just kind of made me sad. It was cool to watch, but <laughs> I almost feel like I almost wish I didn't watch. <laughs> so I was like, man, I'll I'll be there next year in my head. And then I saw it, and I was like, man, I, I'll never be there. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I mean, well, those are like like college. Yeah, I was gonna athletes, say it's college. Like, yeah. it's college. 
ex yeah. well yeah, yeah. ex college like yeah. maybe could have been NHLers yeah. or at least I'm pretty sure there's like one or two ringers ex NHL oh maybe for they, they sure like on the, the practice squad or like some like lower level yes. Yeah, like a feeder, mm-hmm. one of those feeder teams exactly. in the NHL, too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think I talked to a guy last year who was like that. And we're in the, the Lights and Sirens tournament. And, oh, man, they probably won't have that this year. But uh, I was by far the worst. They just needed another body on the bench. and uh, But it was amazing watching folks like that. Like that fellow, uh-huh. we were getting killed. And then finally he was playing defense just to make it even. And then finally he just took the puck and just kept going and, and trying to score. And they had a good goalie, so that's the only reason why we didn't end up tying it up. But, man, he was just launching the puck at mm-hmm. that poor goalie. Mm-hmm. <laughs> man. <laughs> <laughs> and no one could stop him either. It was amazing to watch because all these because yeah. that other team was really good. And then to see him just kind of work through him, it's like holy cow! It's like so many levels to that game. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, it was amazing. And um, was good. And it's amazing how many fire folks like do hockey, like whether it's structure fire or wildland. There's so many like people that do hockey and like wildland. I, I didn't even realize, or just fire in general, I guess. Mm-hmm. Sure. I know there's a big wave when I first did it, just because it's. Everyone has the winter off, and everyone's like, "What do we do?" Yeah, mm-hmm. and like, "Hey, we're joining this hockey league. It's really fun. It's this athletic thing we can still." Yeah, and like, it draws the same people that come to fire because of fire. You, you know, I know a lot of people. At least I really like fire because you're on a crew. Yeah, it's like really, you're you have this community where you mm-hmm. go through difficult things together, and you yeah, can, um, you just become like good friends with these people that you like may or may not would have done that otherwise you know like oh totally people that i've met in fire that i've become really good friends with that i wouldn't have met them outside of fire right yeah but you go and you get put through these stressful situations and that's kind of like the same vibe in hockey yeah it's kind of just a continuation of like that crew bonding mentality That's yeah, cool. Totally, especially mm-hmm. yeah, especially at the at like the level that we've been playing at Tanner, where it's like now it's like a lot of times you know you could go fifty fifty, and sometimes you end up on a really good team and you could do really well. But either way, you know it's good spirited. Like if you lose, like we lost the first two games by quite a bit, but everyone's still like good spirits, you know, because everyone's just like <laughs> yeah. happy to be out there. And, yeah, 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 and just like fire, like you said. I mean, you could have just an ass kicker of a fire and. You're all dirty and tired, and at the end, you're just kind of giggling about nothing. You're like, yeah. <laughs> you know, uh-huh. yeah. <laughs> it's, I, haven't, I haven't slept in two days, but uh, what's up? You know, yep, <laughs> it's yep, kind of happy yep, with everybody. Yep. <laughs> just drinking coffee with one eye open, pretty much. And <laughs> oh man, great time. That's what I was gonna bring up too about like you guys. And when I came to Stevensville, it's like, man, like I came into that first briefing and and I wasn't feeling great, but I was feeling better than I had felt in a while. And then you know, it was right before kind of everything like landslide on me health wise. And, you know, being in that room and, I mean, you guys, I mean, it was almost August when I showed up and, mm-hmm. you know, it's sometimes, you know, spirits can be getting kind of a little bit low, especially with the amount of fire that was out there that we weren't able to go on because of COVID and all that, yeah. you know, and so, but you guys were in such great spirits and it turned off like a pretty good season. It sounded like, you know, towards the end, especially like when I, when I left and started getting people out to California, mm-hmm. people were able to kind of save, save the season and get some good hours. Mm-hmm. Which is really good. But even before that, I mean, everyone was still, like, really chipper for what it was. It was a good crew. Yeah. Like, everybody was really awesome. Yeah, someone was singing that old Ambrose song. I mean, it was, it was pretty <laughs> awesome. I walked in. <laughs> Did you ever hear that one, Tanner? Is that uh, the Old Town Road? Yeah, yeah, yeah. The, the old, old Ambrose. The yeah. old Ambrose version <laughs> of it. Yeah. yeah, maybe we'll have to figure out how to make that our intro song. Ooh. Oh. Yeah, I'll have to talk to you guys about that because yeah. I think we do, I think we do need some kind of intro song. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 
my favorite line is when, when uh, someone was singing it and they said, you know, the engine's in the bay. That's where it will stay. It's <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> so like, at that time, I mean, it didn't look like much of a fire season. So you're like, yeah, that sounds about right. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, man, that was great. And that creativity, like you said, in, in fire, that, all the stuff that comes out, like that song had been out for a while, but I never really heard anyone like make it fire related, but somehow you can always like make everything kind of fire related, mm-hmm. you know, when you're out there. For sure. Mm-hmm. So much time. Sometimes. So much yeah. time. Zero or yeah, totally, mm-hmm. man. Mm-hmm. Yeah, on your way to the fire assignment, or like maybe you know, especially with us, it seems like a lot of times we'll kind of end up more like on the the dead end of a big fire. You know, mm-hmm. you're still doing good work, making sure that doesn't pooch out and you know wrap around on anybody, or you know, making sure that's dead now. But or falling trees, you know, sometimes you get get on that job, but um, you a little more downtime with that kind of work too. <laughs> get to kind of mess around, and you know, mm-hmm. it, it makes for a really good time mm-hmm. on on either end of that. You know, for sure. That's the cool thing about fire, you know, I, I think, I don't know if it's, you know, it gets out of the common public that much, and I kind of want to touch on that tonight, too, is, like, all the different options in fire, and I, I guess, did you guys ever think about doing something, you know, like, besides the district life, or repelling, hotshot, smoke jump, any of that interest you, fellas? I, you know, it's all, like, pretty interesting to me, and seems really fun, but just being, like, kind of how old I am, yeah. like, I feel like it'd be hard to keep up, especially with some hotshots. But yeah. it seems like it would be awesome. Yeah, yeah, totally, yeah. man. And, uh, you know, I can't say, say anything because I've worked with him, but I've never worked on a hotshot cruise. So, mm-hmm. But um, but I, I kind of feel the same way. You know, that's a lot of miles, and, mm-hmm. and uh, I know they carry a lot of weight and do some really good work, and, and they get they get after it, you know. Yeah. They're, they're around for a reason, that's for sure. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, when I first, and the reason why I was asked is when I first got in a fire, I was like, I'm going to do it all, you know. And I was a little older, too. Um, I was in my 20s still, but... Uh, for career, I was thinking, you know, I knew I wanted to end up being in the smoke jumper world. So I didn't really have a whole lot of time to explore. Like I wish I, you know, would have mm-hmm. been like that 18-year-old kid that had, that a lot of people, you know, know about being from small towns and, and getting into the fire. And when I started, it was really hard. There was only one position open in Whitehall. And now it seems like the, the turnover rate's a little bit larger. I mean, like we were hiring folks, you know, like the last fall we hired, he showed up in middle August, end of August, I think. So we, I mean the forest hired i guess yeah <laughs> not me i had nothing to do with it <laughs> but uh yeah he was a great guy but it's was, it was just kind of strange to be hiring that late like back in the day it's crazy you never see it yeah, yeah. You, you'd be packed out on the crew and if and if you weren't performing they might replace you the next year because so many people wanted to get involved mm-hmm. you know totally that was that is kind of a crazy thing how it was very much yeah like that difficult to get a job you needed to know someone or you, you needed to apply and call and go and visit the district and keep calling and pass them yeah yeah totally and in the, in the last few years of smoke jumping too it seemed like it was a little bit harder to maybe get those quality applicants and not that they weren't quality but you know you really gotta want something you know like especially like smoke jumping to go through that rookie training and and uh like any kind of hard training you know even like probably hot shotting with their um Oh, what do you, what do they call their critical? critical, critical. Yeah. yeah. With their criticals, with their criticals, you know, I've heard about that and it, it sounds mm-hmm. pretty challenging too. And, mm-hmm. uh, both I wouldn't say are like overly hard or impossible. Otherwise I wouldn't be able to do it, <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> you know, like, but if you really want it, you, you can grind it out and make it through, but it seemed like some folks and especially the folks that I've seen that were like, this guy's a way better athlete and way better shape than I am. And just more applied, got in, didn't really expect to, and went after it and was like, eh, I don't really even want to be here, you know? And, most of, most of it's just like them throwing in the towel. It's not because uh, they got washed by a trainer or somebody else. It was that they were just like, 
you know, I don't think this is for me, which is mm-hmm. which is totally fine, but it's just tough. You don't seem like you'd see that as much a few years back, you know? Uh-huh. What's the difference? Uh, like, when did it change? Uh, man, I don't know. I want to say... Because it, it seemed like it was right after I was smoke jumping. Because mm-hmm. on the district, you seem like you're in a better... Uh, you see, like, the, the pool a little bit better, you know, every year. And, um, and I guess I was at a place where I was helping out a little bit with hiring. And then in the jump world, I was in training. So that's where, you know, a lot, a lot of the hiring comes from. So I got to help out a little bit with that. And then, um, yeah, I don't know. It seemed like maybe around 2015 or so, I think. Because that's when uh, the lead trainer or the training foreman at the time came up to me and was like, Hey, do you know of any anybody? And the problem too is with the the jump world is you get kind of separated from your the the programs that feed the jumpers like districts, hot shots, and all that good stuff. You know that are your GS threes and fours because you have mm-hmm. to do GS five to apply to jump mm-hmm. and have two ninety and you, you know usually want to be squatting at least have your IC five um, taken care of before you jump. And you know I really re- would recommend getting at least a single resource like engine boss or crew boss mm-hmm. before you go jump too because it's just easier to kind of get those higher up walls once you have uh your single resources done like engine boss and crew right. boss but um back to your question i don't know it seemed like right after that but then like i hadn't been on the district in so many years that i couldn't really give a good honest opinion of, of who i didn't even know any names at that point either of people that weren't already in like an engine foreign position that were in a good position and you know be crazy for them to leave to take a you know back to a seasonal job to jump or you, you could detail but even like i don't think they detail so much anymore because the ram air is a lot goes into the Ram Air now versus jumping the round parachute back okay. when I started, you know? Yeah. If that makes any sense. I know I threw a lot out there, but... <laughs> Does that make sense? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, we'll get to it in the latter episodes, I'm sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We can talk, yeah, I'll probably talk a little more about that, but oh, yeah. yeah, it's just kind of an overview, you know? And um, Yeah, it's, it's strange. I think, and that's part of the reason why I, do the po- why I want to do this podcast, is talk to, especially you, you, you know, you've got a few seasons in, you're fresh, but you're also seeing it through little older eyes because you're the same age as me, mm-hmm. you know. So, and then Tanner's got a ton of experience too. So, we've all got a little bit of experience here, and just to kind of see what you're seeing versus what I may be seeing or what Tanner, because Tanner's kind of a little bit more on my end, but maybe in between, you know. I think from what I've seen, like a lot of people that would be good at this job or like would succeed are kind of like going to do something else. Yeah. Because once they start, and then start, I don't know, getting into some of the shittier aspects of fire yeah the way people are treated or the way people are paid it's like yeah man i could go do something else and not work 600 hours of overtime in the summer yeah to earn a living exactly and be gone you know and you got you know and i think we were talking this morning about like family unions and uh weddings and all all the stuff that you miss especially Mm -hmm. because wedding season seems to be later in the summer when it's not going to rain and that's usually our prime time whether Mm -hmm. there's no fires up here but we can go anywhere usually the southwest or sometimes up alaska up to alaska so it makes it tough. And I think looking back on it, I remember my first year and I, I was treating it like any other job I ever had. If, you know, if I bust my hump, I'll advance and they'll pay me more because you're worth more if you're going to, you know, be able to put out more. The Forest Service, unfortunately, doesn't have that ladder. No. <laughs> you're stuck at a GS3 <laughs> until you can prove that you're, you know, enough time and grade to be a GS4. Sometimes if you have a little more experience, you can come in and get that GS4 right away. And mm-hmm. then I don't think you can jump any higher than that. And then you, you just got to grind it out because is the wait time for five a year? Yeah, so I think a year of. GS4. GS4 time, yeah. yeah. Which is two summers for us. Yeah, so that's a long time yeah. at a GS4 yeah. wage, which doesn't pay great, you know? And mm-hmm. if you get some fires, it pays all right, and you can kind of make it work. But, you know, if you're getting your late 20s or 30s, it's probably not really going to pay the bills that you might mm-hmm. have at that point in your life, you know? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Car payments and rent or mortgage or whatever it might be. 
I think the one unfortunate thing that I've noticed is like, it just takes one person that's higher up that doesn't really like you. Yeah. And they can like really hold you back. Oh, 100%. as far as like getting quals and moving up, like, yeah, it's just super hard to do in a normal situation. But if you have like that one beef with somebody, like it's, they can make it impossible for you. Yeah. Oh, totally. And it's really tough being a new firefighter because you don't know what you're supposed to be doing. Even if you're supposed to be just rehabbing to rehabbing tools and you, you got some downtime and maybe someone higher up, like you said, comes and catches you at your worst moment. Like mm-hmm. you just, you just got done, you know, cleaning the engine or what, what PTing or whatever you might be doing that's job related. You have like one second, you kind of glance at your phone because you kind of in between things, you don't really know what to do. And mm-hmm. that higher up might see you. It was definitely a few, you know, chains ahead of you on the, on the org chart, you know, on the organization chart. And then that, that might, like you said, that little beef shows up that you might not even know about, you know, like, wow, mm-hmm. shoot, man, I, I didn't know what to do next. Yeah, I'm you know? sorry. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. So I think that's, I think that's pretty common, which mm-hmm. is really a bum deal, you know, and instead of, you know, going up and talking to that first person, be like, hey, what's going on? You know, like you're new, you know, I'm whatever. And uh, what do you got going on right now? If they, if you need them to do something, then you can be like, well, hey, you know, like uh, I just saw, saw some tools that need to be sharpened or handles that need to be, you know, uh, stained or whatever might, ha- mm-hmm. might need to happen. And and maybe go check those out and give them a job, I guess, is better than just assuming that they're not worth much. Right. And I hope that's getting better. Like, it kind of seems like an old school, yeah, like, hard-ass mentality that a lot of people in the Forest Service have and, like, still have. Oh, totally. And, like, I'd like to think that some of that's kind of going away, but yeah, I, I, don't, I don't know if it's really that much different than it was... 10 years ago or uh, I think a little bit you know like a lot of times it seemed like this year we take advantage of those down days and do in in-house training which is I think it's really helped and I think folks kind of forget that you know, especially these up-and-comers they don't have like I mean my QCS my IQCS my you know my master record for all the classes I mean it's huge mm-hmm. and that's that's typical because you have you know typically guard school starting off with did you have a guard school when you started no what'd you do for no so it was wrapped up in my uh, forestry degree Oh, nice. So I took, like, all the fire classes. And, oh, man. Yeah. Yeah, you left that part out. Oh, yeah, degree, yeah. Huh? <laughs> uh, so how, what, what kind of degree were we talking Associates. about? Associates. Associates? Oh, yep. nice. That's, yep. that's awesome. And so took all the fire classes in your associates? Yep. Nice. Yeah, so actually my first year I got a GS4. Oh, really? Which oh, I, was, I was very lucky. That's huge, yeah. That, yeah, that's a good start because, yeah, yeah, start off with a GS3 can be kind of rough. Mm-hmm. And I think that's important to know because I didn't, I didn't even know there's an associates you can get in, you said forestry? Yeah, forestry and wildlife. And wildlife. Oh, yeah. awesome! And then get those yeah. get those classes too. So mm-hmm. that's huge, man, for folks that maybe. And I think too, like maybe they don't want to commit quite to a wildland career. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. if you can get your associates and kind of figure out like more about the job and see, see if that's going to be something that fits, or you know you could be like, well, I like forestry stuff. Maybe not so much on the fire side of things, and then go on to get maybe a four year degree in in like we were talking earlier about the fire lab and all the other mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. avenues you can go with that. Mm-hmm. And. I mean, it's, it's amazing you get on USA Jobs and, and look at all the different openings in, in the for, just the Forest Service alone, you know, and then not even factoring in uh, DNRC, you know, the mm-hmm. state, or mm-hmm. BLM. So It's pretty easy to get just, like, pigeonholed into Forest Service, Forest Service, Forest oh, Service. Yeah. Like, there's a lot of other natural resource jobs out yeah, there. Yeah, totally. And I, I mean, even yeah. in my late career, man, like, I mean, not late, kind of middle-of-the-road career, I guess, you know, I still always forget. I still don't really know how to work the DNRC website, to be honest. <laughs> so I never really know what the opportunities are there. But yeah, I thought I would go on that route too, as well, you know. And uh, and then the BLM, we we don't have as much of it over this way, but like mm-hmm. Billings and stuff. And they seem that always seems like a pretty decent career. And, and a lot of the fires I see out in Billings, I really like. They 
a lot of times during the fire season because they have all that grassland and, mm-hmm. and with the uh, oh what is that uh, bird they're always worried about the grouse sage grouse that's the one <laughs> we're we're worried about. Let me let me rephrase. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're all worried about the sage grass. Yeah. So the, I think a lot of times they gotta stay home and, and make sure that that habitat's being protected by mm-hmm. you know getting on those fires right away. And, and so they kind of ramp up pretty heavy in the summer. And, right. Which is really fun, man. You get to go fight those grass fires, and you may get like one really long shift, but then you know you could be back at home and, and chilling and kind of recouping, and then you go back to the station and you might get a few more days between fires, like mm-hmm. you know depending on what the ranchers and farmers are doing with the implements because that's pretty pretty uh, high fire rate and storms, you know. So kind of stay pretty busy out there. And, mm-hmm. and I really liked really liked that and work with those folks out there in Billings. Yeah, that's one thing that I haven't experienced yet. It was, was like a ask. ripping grass fire. Yeah, yeah. man. It's pretty interesting because I, I, I think we got sent, oh, we were on a different fire kind of more eastern Montana and then we came back and on their Type 6, uh, those older BLM Type 6s, I think they're mostly like fiberglass mm-hmm. and their main tool door just because the, I think there's a quick wind switch and that fire, the, you know, the heel of the fire became like the fire front or something like that. I can't remember exactly <laughs> what the story was, but somehow like it flared up and, and it was like licking at the side of the engine and oh, man. that door was all kinds of messed up. They had to replace that sucker, <laughs> <laughs> but man, it's exciting. Yeah. It's exciting. Yeah, <laughs> man. Yeah. I was going to tell a story for a guy, but I'll probably wait on that one and maybe get it directly from from him, him, his own, his own words. Cause it's pretty, it's pretty funny about like, a those fires out that way, man. And just getting involved with, uh, you know, the ranchers out there that usually oh, pretty quick to respond. Yeah. And yeah. when you're orbiting over in like the helicopter or, or a jump plane, it's kind of cool to see them out there and, and man, they got a pretty good idea of what, what needs to be done. They'll be mm-hmm. out there ringing it with like a disc or whatever they have on their tractor and mm-hmm. get to town out or, you know, some of those guys out there still have some old dozers and stuff they, they, uh, mess with. So I love cool. hearing stories about, uh, ranchers down in texas oh yeah fighting fire like those dudes are nuts oh man yeah i haven't heard too many stories i i mean i just heard that they're pretty crazy yeah <laughs> yeah, yeah. like no specific stories that i can recall but like yeah just some wild stuff maybe yeah yeah I, I probably about the same too with those uh montana ranchers out there in the east you know kind of same deal like mm-hmm. just going you know, head on at the, at the sucker, but I mean, they seem like they kind of know what they're doing because they, I mean, they seem to knock them out sometimes faster than any other resources. I mean, they're out in the middle of nowhere, so mm-hmm. by the time you like the jump planes, you know, it's probably one of the fastest resources, you know, next to it. Well, I mean, faster than the helicopter until we get a Blackhawk, I guess, I, I believe. I don't know that for sure, but that was the last thing I heard when before I left the jump world. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, so I mean, Sometimes we'll get out there and it'll be black, just like a black spot, and the, you'll see like the tractors just cruising around. <laughs> you're like, oh, you're like, oh, you well, they, they don't need us anymore. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> which you know, it's kind of disappointing because you want to get out there and see what you can do. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, how, how long have we been at this, boys? Uh, about uh, seventy minutes. Seventy minutes. Oh, geez, a little over an hour. Yeah. That's proper podcast length, right? That is proper podcast length. That's what I was kind of thinking too. I didn't. I don't know if you guys want to talk about anything else though. I mean, I had some few other topics, but I mean, I'd probably talk to you boys all night if you let me. I think it's a really good um, just start, you know. Yeah. Because there's there's things like I need, I need a microphone next time. Definitely, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm gonna go mm-hmm. back and look through this editing. It's gonna sound. You guys are gonna sound great. I'm gonna sound like I'm. A You're gonna sound muffled. Yeah, 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 yeah. And uh, 
Yeah, I, just, I thought it was a really good start. See, that's and that's kind of what I want to dug here too, because like like you or Seth or somebody like who's a little more like laid back, and there's no format really. We're just talking about mm-hmm. your mm-hmm. experience and, mm-hmm. and trying to get you out there and, and talk about Tanner. Well, and all of our experience, and kind of hopefully whoever listens to this will be able to get a feel off this first podcast about kind of who we are and what we're doing and and what we're trying to accomplish with this thing. I guess maybe I should talk about that a little bit. Uh, I think I talk about that right now. <laughs> We are, dude. Yeah, here we go. Well, well here we go. Uh, so part of the the thing I want to do with the Lookout Podcast is bring folks together in any kind of outdoors uh, activity. I mean, not just wildland. Wildland just kind of is my area of expertise, I would say, at this point. I've got about 12 years in. and but So it'll be heavier on the wildland scene, whether it's BLM, DNR, DNRC, uh, private to or forest service. I'd like to talk to any any and anybody out there, you know, whether some of those private crews that you see on that we all see on fire as a bunch or, you know, BLM folks and especially folks like you who've been out there and, and fought fire in Minnesota where I've never been. And is that region nine? Yeah. Region nine. That's what I yeah. thought, yeah. And the Medewin's the only hotshot crew in that region. Yes, that's correct. Yeah, I heard the Medewin gets to do some really cool stuff out there. And yeah, so they're uh, they're in Illinois, and they have a bunch of um, like native prairie left. Oh, cool! So they do like some crazy burning. Yeah, man. I, yeah, and and that what makes it like not not only Medewin but a bunch of those hotshot crews because of the amount of exposure they have to to fire that in that respect. You know, they, mm-hmm. they do so much burning compared to the rest of us. Mm-hmm. Even as a jumper, we we had some. Well, any the jump the jump places I've been in the experience I had just for me has been really similar to the district. Like we do our fall burns, our spring burns, and then once in a while, if you get lucky, you get a really good roll down south where it's not raining a bunch. You get to do a lot of burning down there, and mm-hmm. that's I think where jumpers get a lot of experience that in the burning that way. Um, unfortunately, I think the, I think I was down there three times, and I think. Most of the time, I was down there. It was raining a ton, <laughs> so <laughs> I got I got some really good experience following these big hardwoods that I'd never messed with before. Yeah, that, that's yeah, super for hollow. Sure. Yeah, oh man, I, and some of those things. I mean, you probably being from Minnesota, you have cut some of those big, big old uh, hardwoods and had like the hollow or the inside be pretty hollow, and the top must be gone too because it fills with water. So it's kind of like similar to cottonwood. Yeah, yeah, yeah around yeah. here. But that's what I noticed. Mostly, all we cut was balsam fir which is like same thing as piss fir here oh really yeah, just like good. making little mop handles yeah oh, that's <laughs> awesome man yeah because man I, I couldn't what i couldn't even tell you what the species was i'm just gonna say oak something like that i think mm-hmm. it's probably like an oak because you know it didn't have like the shaggy bark but like some of the hickory does mm-hmm. which i guess is only one species of hickory but uh anyways it was pretty hollowed out and i it had been filling up with water and Luckily, I didn't get as bad as, as they were telling me where this poor gal was searching for a bee, and I guess she just tough through it, man. Like, she put in, I think, her part of her slope cut for uh, her face cut, and I think it was fine until she put it in the bottom of, like, the bird beak and kicked that kicked that uh, <clears throat> triangle piece out, you know, that wedge, uh-huh. and it, it just threw up all over. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Dirty water. <laughs> Ray is like douches. Yeah. Like it's yep. a well. Exactly. So like a well, exactly. I have a buddy that yeah. works on a tree crew. Ooh. And he's talked about that too. He's been like climbing up in a tree, oh. like 20 foot into a tree, cuts into a branch, and it's just like you open a faucet. Yeah. And it just starts like spraying your face. Oh, it smells so bad because yeah. that water's been in there oh, so long, yeah. man, and just going bad. Oh. Speaking of fermentation, you know. <laughs> I, actually, I don't know if that's the same thing, but. Yeah, I bet you could probably take it to the next level. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah, like this girl, I mean, she's, I think she was certain for her bees, what they told me. Mm-hmm. And I guess she just, like, nothing happened. 
and they wouldn't even let her get in the truck with the clothes she was wearing because it was <laughs> it was that bad, man. And she afterwards she was like, oh, you know, like she let it out, mm-hmm. but like, dude, kept her composure, put a nice back cut in, you know, nice. put it right where she intended. Her lay was perfect. Everything was great. Oh, so she got it. But she, she was got, Yeah, but she was soaked <laughs> in tree puke. <laughs> yeah, I don't think that's the official name, but that's what I'm calling it. Yeah. <laughs> oh man, and I only got a little bit of taste of it, and it's uh, it was not nice. Mm-hmm. Oh man, yeah. And then you got to smell it. Like, it, luckily, it was my first tree of the day, so I got to smell it for the rest of the day, which which was awesome. Did it? Did it kind of look like uh, aspen? Uh, like similar to an aspen? Like as in the, the, the outside of the tree? Yeah. Uh, no, I want to say it was like you know, like the you know oaks kind of got um, that. Uh, well, I get, you know, it could have been actually, uh, what's another, like a, like a kind of a junk tree. No one really likes them back there in like the Midwest. So, well, like the thing I was thinking about was balsam poplar. Oh, balsam poplar. Which oh. straight up smells like cat piss. Oh, it might when you cut been, into yeah. it, I guess. I've never cut into one, but. Yeah. Dude, maybe that from was From what it. I've heard, yeah. Yeah. Cause I, I, straight cat piss. Yeah, because I was thinking it was like the box elders. Have you seen oh, that? okay. Like, yeah, box elders. Yeah. Kind of like been, a shitty maple. Yeah, exactly. That's what I've been told. So that's was like. I guess I don't really know it's a shitty tree, but I've heard you no know, one really likes them. And mm-hmm. I mean, they grow really good, I guess, everywhere. But then they die, don't they? Like, like they. Yeah, they're just out. kind of a shrubby, shitty tree that I don't know. Yeah, kind, kind of, of takes ass. over. Yeah, it seems like the tree services are always taking them out of people's mm-hmm. yards and stuff. They grow so fast, and um, but yeah, so the podcast will be about. You know, even even that, I mean, shoot, if someone's got a ton of tree service experience, I'd like to talk to them and see what they're doing. But you know, any anything that has to do with like outdoors, you know, and like. Uh, being out in our public lands, and I think that's the message that doesn't get out there as much. You know, like I think we have that local commercial in Montana that you know talks about getting out there and and uh, you know it's kind of talking about the kids at school or talking about how they went out to the woods for the weekend, mm-hmm. which you know is, is probably a really good accent. You know, who who knows what the kids are getting out there like they like they used to back in the day, like when we were kids. You know, like mm-hmm. camping all the time, um, and you know, like the forest is just you know a good excuse to go out camping. And, I might get tired of it after a while, but you, know, you get a lot in. And, uh, you know, so, like, yeah, anyone who's out there, you know, in in the woods recreating, you know, whether hunting, you know, hunting has to do a lot with preservation and, and conservation, mm-hmm. you know, of, of a lot of our forests. And so I talk to folks like that and kind of kind of whoever, you know, is interested in the outdoors. I love talking fishermen, you know, people out there fly, fly fishing. And mm-hmm. uh, I think that's about covers it. Who else would you guys like to hear on the on the podcast? Exactly, like you said, like anyone involved in the community, yeah, you know, and you, yeah, yeah, totally. I, I like to hear from other lookouts. Yeah, lookouts. Dude, lookouts. Yeah. lookouts. Really yeah, just mm-hmm. interesting characters. Mm-hmm. Oh, totally. They all like no one goes to be a lookout because I want to make a bunch of money. Mm-hmm. They go because they want to be. They want that space. Yeah. Mm-hmm. They want to be in that tower on top of the mountain. Yeah. Who doesn't like hanging out on top of a mountain in a tower? Yeah. Like it's it's pretty sweet. It's pretty awesome. Yeah. It's so but rare. It draws a certain yeah. type of person. Yeah, I think. yeah it really does. Yeah, you gotta. It's, yeah, you gotta be able to, to live that life. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And deal with deal with it. Mm-hmm. Um, every aspect of it. Yeah, totally, man. And um, you know, I was in the in the Bob Marshall on a fire back there. I just can't remember the name. And in the morning, you'd hear them all check in, just just like we hear you check in. And uh, yeah, it was kind of neat because there was more in there than I thought. You know, I'd seen a few. And it was kind of cool because they uh, usually, if if uh, we were jumping a fire in the Bob in the Bob Marshall Wilderness out of Missoula, is because a lookout 
call it and uh-huh. somehow was able to request us, it seemed like to me, because we'd yeah. always show the lookouts a lot of love and, you know, we appreciate them just like, you know, we appreciate you and all the lookouts, you know, because that helps us get on those fires and keep them small. Mm-hmm. And uh, so we, a lot of times we'd do like a low flight near the tower and throw out a few streamers for them and they'd be out there on a, <laughs> yeah, on their deck, like you have your little deck and waving. Uh-huh. It was so cool because I was standing the door one time with a DC-3 and the doors, you know, it's, it's huge, you know, it's the size of, a, of an average human like myself. And so I was kind of leaning out, giving them a wave. And it was, I mean, like we were eye to eye, it felt like, you know, it, it was really cool. Uh-huh. Man, uh, that's awesome. So the, Do you remember which one that was? It was in the Bob. It was in the Bob and Prairie, Prairie Reef, maybe. Yeah, I was gonna, I was, I was gonna say that's almost like the formations there. I mean, it was almost, it looked like the river was below, and they're almost on like a ridge line, and it, you know, I could, we we went by pretty fast. So mm. I, you know, I, mm-hmm. I can't remember exactly which one, but For sure. and then uh, there's one I, I got to talk to. It was a gal. She was above the Gates Park. Uh, um, area in a, in a lookout. I can't remember what the name of that lookout was. I wish I could remember these. But she was super cool. She, she actually uh, had to like va- evacuate her tower. Not because the tower was going to get uh, burned over, I don't think, but just because she might get cut off from the because of the fire. Oh, yeah. 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 And then we you know, wouldn't be able, to, be able to get any supplies to her as well. You know, they use all those yeah. pack strings, which is super cool. And mm-hmm. um, So she came down and just kind of helped us out with, uh, you know, doing observations. And, and uh, we even hiked up to a different um cabin just a little bit north of where we're at gates park and did some structure pro and some triage and a triage list of you know what we would need like how much hose and pump and you know how close the well i guess that goes with how much hose but how close the water source if there was a water source to the cabin and and kind of what the uh what the uh um, fuel by the cabin looked like you know like there's going to need to be like a crew flown in there to do some fuel reduction Mm -hmm. to to try to save that cabin and man it's cool and the thing dude when we looked down the map I mean, it looked like maybe an inch, two, maybe two, three inches at the most. And it was like, oh, we're just going there. We'll be there and back. And they're like, well, you, you might want to leave a little bit before sunup, you know? So, like, the sun it didn't really come up. And you had that, it was, it was just light. So it was kind of cool. We walked across the airstrip, the old airstrip they don't really use anymore. And I mean, just another fella from the area. And uh, it took us a little while to get up there, but it was cool. I was enjoying everything. And on the way back, I mean, it was like we saw a bear paw print way bigger than my hand which I, nice. you know, I was the biggest hand but I was like <laughs> it wasn't there on the way up though oh whoa. Yeah. yeah yeah and I was yeah. like oh man and all we, all we have are a couple of Pulaski's you know it's like well if he wants he wants us so we're pretty much out here for him <laughs> you know yeah we yeah yeah we need some bear spray or something man some kind of fire it's amazing how many firefighters think they can fend off with a, a bear with a Pulaski or a chainsaw or a chain. but yeah, or a that's chainsaw. not gonna work as that's well as you think it very, is very, yeah. yeah oh yeah exactly man like snip it and I'd be so pissed <laughs> yeah exactly. so pissed did you just cut me with a chainsaw? Yeah, what, the yeah. F- what the fuck? Yeah, that bar is not long enough. You know, like they their arm is way yeah. longer than a bar. Yeah. So. <laughs> oh yeah, that'd just be just terrible. Um, yeah, so we saw the bear popper on the way back, and then we saw this ginormous elk, a bull elk down there too. It was really cool. Mm-hmm. Stopped and I jumped in the Sun River because it was like just like beautiful, and you know we've been hiking all day and hot. But and then we got back on the trail, so we didn't we didn't take too much time besides going up, taking care of business, and getting back. It's, and we were probably moving a little faster once we saw that paw print. <laughs> and, uh, and, we, and when we got back, it was like the same kind of light of when we left, maybe just a little bit darker. So the sun was down, but it was like enough light to see a little, like pretty good still. Mm-hmm. And it's like, whew, I mean, we just made it, you know, and it didn't look like it was that far on the map, you know? Right. It's yeah, a it was, whole It was bay. wild. Yeah. yeah. But yeah, and then, um, I don't know if all goes well with the podcast, you know, I'd like to try to do some more, uh, 
fundraiser type things eventually. And, and uh, I know like me and a few other folks and me and Doug were talking about this morning, even just trying to get, um, you know, once COVID's done, trying to get some kind of like wildland firefighter games going eventually something to get everyone together you know <laughs> yeah just how it sounds exactly uh, yeah. Yeah. yeah wildlife yeah 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 exactly coob champion oh, oh, coob there championship, we go dude yeah yeah we can do that i'm gonna throw it all in there but yeah you know, like we were talking this morning something that might uh get you in, sh- get you in shape for the fire season mm-hmm. a fun way to to kind of prepare you know and get everything not that we all don't love running and all that good stuff <laughs> i think the gopro just went out on us so Oh. I kept hearing a beep, and I was like, I don't know what's it's coming from. I don't even know if I'm in the GoPro shop, to be <laughs> honest. I think I set that up, and I think I put... You Well, it's got the fish out lens, right? Yeah. You I should might. be in there. Yeah, it might be in there. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, any other, other ideas of where to take this thing? No, I mean, just on your last point about trying to get more of a community built, like, that's what I like about it a lot. Yeah, because... Just, just, like, getting people together and, like... Yeah. I don't know. It's it's really easy for people to just like lose contact after the fire season ends. Oh, totally. So man. I like giving people like reason to keep hanging out, keep talking. Yeah, to get back together and even yeah. some folks who maybe just you know, like a lot of times it seems like folks get in the in the forest service, at least the wildland, it's it's a great job for school. You know, mm-hmm. you can have a short season, still make pretty pretty good money mm-hmm. if you get on a few fires, even if you don't, and then it's a job that you can always come back to because that was part of the reason that I had trouble with when I first got into college just trying to get a job that would bring me back and mm-hmm. a lot of folks don't want to keep you on if you're going to work a short season and leave you know in of August or September you know mm-hmm. um, so I don't really know what my point was with that part but uh, I lost it but anyways it's you know just good job and oh and um, oh that's what you're saying like getting together so folks like that who uh, this is just green tea, but I mean, I just get late cause I'm old, but, uh, <laughs> so like folks, you know, just did this job to get through college, you know, like it might give them a reason to come out and uh, figure out some way to put them in, in the mix. They want to like put together their own team or whatever it might be, or, or just come out and, you know, drink some beer and drink some, uh, Doug's stuff and shit's beer. And, <laughs> and, uh, it sounds like I'm giving people the shits. Yeah. I'm about to work Doug's on that stuff and shits. Yeah, we gotta be yeah. careful with that. Yeah, I might have to change that name, maybe. <laughs> At least tweak it, maybe tweak it a little bit. <laughs> Rearrange some wording, maybe. Uh, but yeah, give folks something to get together for, like you said. And then, um, you know, depending on how it goes, you need like a like a wildland, like the the wildland fire foundation, firefighter foundation, who, who helped me out with surgery and and all that good stuff. And and one of my really good friends uh, helped him out too, and when, when he had an accident. So I mean, I I owe a lot to the wildland fire firefighter foundation. In, already but it'd be cool to be able to help them out and even if we come up with like our own kind of foundation too mm-hmm. to um you know tackle the same same goal that the that they have at the wildland firefighter foundation i just say it again to make sure i get it out there no got, you're, got doing, there you're doing good it's rolling uh, off the tongue yeah, yeah, yeah now it is it took a couple of tries <laughs> uh and you know kind of help them out and, and uh just kind of share the load that they kind of carry because as far as i know they're the only ones out there that are able to help in that capacity you mm-hmm. know like when it came to like my surgery they're they will help me out and i mean it was like no questions asked like hey this is what's going on uh we heard we heard you're going to mayo like here's what we can give you and i was like oh dude that's, that's so awesome great. yeah help pay for hotel rooms and gas and all that good stuff just getting there mm-hmm. and which is which is huge because you know we don't really get as much support from other areas in you know like the government just you know probably similar to what people do in the you know experience in the military as well when mm-hmm. they get out you know mm-hmm. so having the foundation there is is amazing and if we could if this thing got enough traction to where we could help, I mean, that's something else I'd like to do too is mm-hmm. work with them and, and come up with our own thing. And, 
and I don't know, maybe we could do some runs or something down the road, you know, and, and kind of help, help, uh, raise charities for our foundation, you know, to help out wounded wildland firefighters or, mm-hmm. or fi- wild, wildland firefighters families who, you know, maybe experienced like, the worst of it, you know, and lost a family member to fire mm-hmm. and then we yeah. can help out those families. Mm-hmm. So that's, that's kind of the goal of this. And hopefully, hopefully we'll get it going. I, I think this is a great start, man. It was great hanging out with you guys. And man, I appreciate you guys taking the time to, to come out here and sit with me and talk. Thanks for having me, man. Yeah, yeah, thanks I appreciate for being here. It. Maiden voyage here. Maiden voyage, yeah, pilot, <laughs> pilot run. Yeah. <laughs> yeah.